Welcome to the Flourish with Functional Nutrition podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Lowry, founder of Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy and a nutritional therapy practitioner specializing in allergies, food sensitivities, and autoimmune disease with a focus on the gut microbiome. Join me for episode 11, where we meet Shandy Lasky, speech therapist and nutritional therapy practitioner from Denver, Colorado, who specializes in special needs kids. Learn how her own health journey led her to the field of nutritional therapy and how she transitioned from a traditional speech therapy approach to incorporating her nutritional therapy skills. Stay with us until the end to hear her health tip. As always, we must disclaim that the information we share in the podcast is for educational purposes only. Functional nutrition is similar to functional medicine in that it seeks to strengthen the systems of the body and address root causes of illness. As a nutritional therapy practitioner, we do not diagnose or treat disease, and we recommend working with a qualified practitioner. Now, let's hear from Shandy. Welcome, Shandy. It is so great to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me, Madeline. Can you talk a little bit about your work as a nutritional therapist and also what you were doing before you became a nutritional therapist and how you learned about the um, nutritional therapy practitioner program, decided that you wanted to be one? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I actually had my eye on becoming a nutritional therapist for years before it actually happened. Um, It was something that I had been thinking about doing, wanted to do, and then um, finally made it happen and was so excited to graduate earlier this year. But um, what I was doing before that and how I heard about nutritional therapy was um, I was studying to become a speech-language pathologist. I was actually in my master's program. Um, I was in the first semester of my master's program, and I developed a chronic illness. And um, the symptoms of that were... Um, extreme chemical sensitivities. Every joint, every bone, every muscle in my body felt like it hurt all the time. I was incredibly fatigued, but yet I had insomnia at night. Um, I was very anxious. My hair was falling out. I mean, it was just an absolute mess. Um, Turns out that that chronic illness was developed secondary to um, being medically injured by my previous healthcare providers. Uh, So that was pretty shocking and quite a journey to go through. But uh, as you can imagine, I was bounced around the allopathic system for uh, quite some time before I had just had enough. You know, I, I just felt like I kept running into a wall, right, where they would tell me, well, you have chronic fatigue syndrome, you have fibromyalgia, we're not really sure how you got this, but there are no known causes and there's no known cure, but here's some anti-anxiety medications and some pain relievers for the rest of your life. And, um, you know, and I don't want to come off judgmental to anyone who takes those medications at all. It's It's really not a judgment on anybody else, but what I was experiencing was some really severe chemical sensitivities, and I was at the point where I understood that 
if I were taking medications, that would be contributing to chemicals that I was ingesting. And even something as simple as ibuprofen or Aleve was making me react at that time. And I just didn't want to go down that road of trying this pill, trying that pill, and finding no relief. At this point, I was very, very ready to start a path towards healing. And so after several doctors being less than helpful, um, and at no fault to them, right? Like I, they don't know what they don't know, but I, like I said, I had hit a wall and I ended up in the care of a naturopathic doctor. And the woman that she uh, was in practice with was a registered nurse who was a, uh, she's a nutritional therapy consultant. And at the time it was actually called something different. The NTA called it a certified nutritional consultant. Um, but that's what the equivalent would be now is the, the nutritional consultant program that we have now through the NTA. So she was a, a nurse and an NTC and both of them really helped me to jumpstart that path towards true healing for myself. So that's, that's really how I fell into discovering nutritional therapy was, was going through it myself. Wow. So tell us a little bit more. I mean, what, what were the beginning steps in that path uh, from, you know, away from allopathic medicine and into more of the nutritional therapy route? So we really started looking at um, my foods that I were eating. And because I was so chemical sensitive, one of the big things that she really wanted me to focus on at that time was the quality of foods that I was eating. So switching over to organics, right? Just like simply cutting pesticides and herbicides and agricultural chemicals alone, that's huge, right? Um, and then we started looking at things like, okay, what about packaged foods? And how can I start going more towards that um, nutrient-dense, whole foods-based diet? And eventually, we ended up having to cut gluten and dairy uh, because I was experiencing some severe gut health issues uh, where my intestinal lining was uh, more permeable than it should be. And so I was reacting to many foods that I had been eating. I was reacting to many products that I had been using for years. And so very quickly, my entire lifestyle, food, nutrition, you know, every, every product in my environment had to be changed. And it was a very quick turnaround. Um, but I, I changed very quickly and my symptoms became more manageable versus, uh, like I was, constantly drowning, I guess, if that makes sense. Like I felt like I could handle the world around me more so when I was controlling what I could in my own environment, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like they, uh, they, they identified toxins and probably helped you to detoxify um, to right, to get to some levels that were more manageable for your body. Absolutely. So there's the piece of it where it's, you know, just fixing your environment, but also that detoxification piece. We had identified that uh, I was experiencing silicone and mercury poisoning. Oh. Yeah, pretty alarming, right? <laughs> um, 
And so once we knew what it was, we were able to start targeting that in a more profound way. But as you know, detox is not as simple as the general public likes to think that it is. It's not as simple as just drinking lemon water in the morning and making sure you're regular. I mean, there are when you have that level of toxicity, there's a lot of uh, levels to detoxification. And even five, you know, over five years later, I'm still detoxifying and healing myself, fixing the issue and, and what has happened. Yeah, I have recently become uh, appreciated that to a much, much deeper extent, having um, been to a conference about the environmental factors of chronic illness. And um, I've just finished reading The Toxin Solution by Dr. Joseph Pizzorno. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I, yes, I have it. Yeah, yeah. 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 The president of Bastyr University, uh, the naturopathic um, college. And uh, you know, he has an incredible nine-week program for detoxification because, hello, it, it takes that long. We have many major organs involved in detoxification from the kidneys, the liver, the skin, the lungs, right? Um, and to address, and the gut, of course, has to be detoxified. So to address all of that, I mean, his, his short version is nine weeks. So can we back up just a little bit? Because I'm intrigued by something that you said at the beginning where you said, that you felt that your um, the onset of this of this chronic illness was caused by um, some um, medications, maybe that you were on. Yeah. So, um, so, and you know, I guess I have to be very careful of how I word that, right? Because I can't say definitively this caused that. But if you look at it from a correlation causation standpoint it looks pretty convincing um i in january of 2013 received a popular birth control device an intrauterine device iud um that was so there are a couple of them on the market at the time there were just two one made of I'm doing air quotes right now, medical grade silicone and one made of copper. Well, in my mind, I thought, you know, it's, it's on the market. It's safe. Uh, I, I was at the time I was working at one of the nation's leading university hospitals and right next door to the clinic I was working was the OBGYN clinic. And, um, I remember asking the doctor that placed it for me, you know, because I, I thought that I had researched it and, and done my done my homework on it. I said, I, I read online that they don't recommend these for women who haven't had children. Can you explain why? And she said, oh, don't worry about that. That's only because the studies that were done were only done on women who had had children. And so technically we can only recommend it to women who have, but don't worry. I've been giving this to girls as young as 17 every week. And I and and now her words haunt me. Her words haunt me because I cannot imagine how many 
girls and women are walking around out there with the symptoms of silicone immune toxicity syndrome and they have no idea. Um, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Um, and uh, like, I, like I had told you, I'm still very chemical sensitive. I'm sensitive to foods. You know, I'm, I'm still healing the after effects that this caused. And so there's nowhere else I would have gotten silicone. So I can't per se say, yes, this definitively caused it. But I know intuitively that it did. Um, I also had a mouthful of silver mercury amalgam fillings. And, and actually, a month before I placed the Mirena IUD, I had a severe adverse reaction to a flu shot, which they say that, oh, mercury has been taken out of vaccines, but that's actually not true. It is still present in flu vaccines. And I received one, and I was uh, the most violently ill I've ever been in my entire life and was kind of sickly for that next month. And then I placed the Mirena IUD, and within eight months, I had a chronic illness. And when they tested my, my levels, I was very mercury toxic and had all of the uh, symptoms and presence of silicone immune toxicity syndrome. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that story. I, I think that it's so important that people talk about their experiences because, um, you know, we can help each other. And not every, like you say, not everyone would have the same reaction that you did um, at, at because we're all so bio-individual and, and also, you know, we, you know, it's not just the, um, the incident or, uh, you know, of the, of the flu shot or of the IUD. It's also the condition of the terrain, right? So the condition that our body is in, like if we're in just tip-top shape, everything else is good, you know, that might have gone swimmingly for you. But, you know, maybe, you know, there were things that were happening in your system that you weren't aware of that maybe made you more um, susceptible and you were just at that point at that tipping point you know where you had you got knocked down by the flu shot and you got knocked down again with by the next thing and pretty soon you know you've fallen and you can't get up absolutely right? yeah. absolutely it's all about that total load and I'll tell you since then I've actually discovered that I am homozygous for MTHFR C677T which means that out of all the population my my genetic polymorphisms that I have currently going on it's harder for me to detox mercury from my system than anybody else and so now knowing that, I shouldn't have received that vaccine. I shouldn't have gotten those mercury amalgams. But those aren't things that conventional medicine asks first. You know what I mean? The, I mean, we know that mercury is neurotoxic, and yet dentists all over the country are still using it. And the American Dental Association still swears up and down that it's safe. But we know it's not, you know? Um, you know, for example, the amount of mercury that I had removed from my mouth, if that amount of mercury was in a lake, the Environmental Protection Agency would tell you don't eat the fish that came out of that lake. Wow. 
Isn't that mind-blowing? But yet it's all in my mouth. Because it's supposed to be inert? Is that the idea? That it's because it's, because it's I don't know, um, it's not pure mer mercury. That they, It's an amalgam, right? So it, I guess the idea is that it's supposed to be bound. That's, I, that's the idea, but studies have been done showing that the mercury in mercury amalgams is leaching into kidneys, into the brain, into other organs. There's a, a really, gosh, I don't know what the official name of it is, but if you look online, if you type in the smoking tooth study, there's a, it shows, it's a, they're holding like a 20-year tooth with a, or I'm sorry, a, a tooth that has a 20-year amalgam in it. So it's an old amalgam, old tooth that they just have in these pliers that they're holding up. And they put it up against this screen so that you can see the mercury emissions coming off of it. And as they rub it with, you know, a pencil eraser or something, you can see these mercury emissions evaporating. And so when you look at that, you have to imagine if I'm eating, if well, not me now because I don't have it, but if someone has these amalgams and they're eating something crunchy, they're drinking something hot, you know, they're just being a human and using their mouth, that mercury is in fact emitting mercury vapor and you're swallowing it and it's going to your organs. Yeah. And if yeah. you have leaky gut, then it's absolutely getting into the bloodstream and going towards the brain, which if there's a leaky gut, there's probably going to be a leaky brain. And now we've got mercury on the brain. I know we got off on a little bit of a tangent yeah. there, but it's, you know, it's all, it's all very fascinating and um, going just back to that total load, something that people just don't think about. And so, again, like that's just really how I got involved in this world was, was all originating from my own health. Yeah, yes. And, and again, a common, common story that we hear, it's such a common pathway that people get sick, desperately sick, and in their, um, in their quest to figure out how to heal themselves, they come across the principles of nutritional therapy, however they're presented to them, and realize, wait a second, you know, more people need this, more people need to know about this, more people could be helped by this, I think I'm going to try to incorporate this into, you know, into my career, into my mission in life, right? Absolutely. Yeah, so you were... In a master's program, you were you were um, uh, training to be a speech therapist, and then this happened to you. You learned about nutritional therapy, and then what happened? So when I was seeing the nutritional therapist and the naturopathic doctor, I had told them what I was in school uh, studying and that I was hoping to be a pediatric speech-language pathologist, and this was really like the moment of awakening for me where this is separate, right? These two separate professionals, as soon as they heard what I was going to school for, they both separately said, you have to look into autism as a whole body condition. And it's not just autism, it's like all kids with special needs. And at this time, you know, I'm in an autism class, like a whole graduate level course on autism. I've never heard anything about it being a whole body condition. I've never even thought it. I always just thought of it as a mysterious brain-based genetic condition 
that we don't know we don't know why it happens. We have no idea why. And come to find out, there is a plethora of research that shows that that's just not true. And so both of these women who had been helping me along my healing journey said this to me. And there was a layer of me that thought, that's crazy. That's crazy. I would have known that. Well, sure enough, I went home. And at this point, like I, I had been awakening to the corruptions within our food system, within our healthcare systems, and all of these things because, again, I was medically injured. So by this point, I realized that there were many things I had been taught that were not the whole entire truth. So I was open to hearing about it. And I went home that night, and I looked it up, and sure enough, I found research studies, I found books, I found websites, I found articles, I found so much information on how autism was, in fact, a whole body disorder. And everything started to click for me, that if my toxicities and my food sensitivities and chemical intolerance and overloads and all these things, if all of those things could impact my own um, learning and mood and cognition and anxiety, then how could these children potentially be being impacted in ways that conventional world, conventional allopathic medicine was completely missing. <laughs> I thought to myself, well, gosh, if I want to really help these kids, speech language therapy is kind of like a band-aid. And I, at this time, I was kind of upset with the whole medical world, right? Because I felt like I had been so wronged. And so I looked at becoming a naturopathic doctor myself. Um, but just to give you some perspective, to get into a speech-language pathology master's program right now is not an easy task. It's very, very difficult. I competed against about 400 approximate applicants for 40 spots for this program. And so it was very competitive. It's not something that you just want to drop out of and, you know, totally change your whole career. And so I thought, okay, what can I do as a speech-language pathologist and integrate this work. So then I thought about getting a double master's degree and becoming a dietitian or something like that. But the more I looked into the programs to become a dietitian, the more I realized that that was a completely different nutrition paradigm than the one that I was being exposed to with my nutritional therapist. And so because she was a nutritional therapist, I started looking into the Nutritional Therapy Association and their programs at the time. And, you know, I, I just always resonated the most with the NTA's message of bioindividuality and that there is no one size fits all for every, for every person, right? We all have a mm -hmm. unique bioindividual makeup like you said, we're it against a few other very popular online nutrition programs. And I just kept coming back to NTA. And that's, that's pretty much the story. I, I knew that I wanted to be an NTP since I was in my master's program. I actually uh, have a blog about this one day where I, it was the last academic day 
of my graduate course, we were, um, it was the last day with my classmates and then we were going out on internship and then we wouldn't see each other until graduation. And one of my professors was having a really rotten day and um, basically, long story short, she came in and had these cards and she said, what is your legacy? What are you, what are you here to leave as a speech language pathologist? What are you going to do? What is your life's work? And on this card, back in December of 2014, I wrote basically this whole story on that card and said, uh, my own health journey has led me to understand that the conditions we treat as speech language pathologists can be treated in a more profound way um, or can be looked at in a more profound way when we use diet, nutrition, and lifestyle strategies with them. And so I'm going to become an NTP after I'm an SLP. And sure enough, here I am, <laughs> you know, it's, it's been a, been a journey, been a process. And, um, but I just had my eye on the prize and knew that that's ultimately what I wanted to do. You know, I've been doing my own private work now, um, solely my own private work for a few months. I was doing like half speech language therapy and then half nutritional therapy and now I'm doing solely my own private work, and it just feels so good to be able to um, give families all of the information and the knowledge swimming in my brain instead of just those cookie-cutter therapy strategies um, that are only surface level. That are sanctioned by your by the company that you work for or the institution that you work for. Yeah. <laughs> I can relate to that because that's exactly why I've decided to sort of set up my own shingle and go into business for myself as opposed to being employed by any other practitioner because I want to be able to speak my truth and not have to worry about what my employer thinks about that. I resonate with that fully. And, I, you know, to be honest, I had a, my, my last supervisor as a speech-language pathologist, she, she was incredibly supportive um, but it just all comes back to that setting in the funding source, right? So if I'm being paid by insurance or I'm being paid by the state to be a speech-language pathologist, then I, I need to do that. I can't just go in there talking about whatever I want to. But through my private work, I have so much more freedom and ability to do that. So just as a, a quick tip for our listeners, um, can you tell us how you can be contacted if people are interested in working with you? So I can be reached at Speaking of Health and Wellness. There's a little play on words there with me being a speech therapist and an NTP. So again, that's speakingofhealthandwellness.com. And I've got a self-scheduler on that uh, on my website where you can go in and self-schedule a complimentary discovery call and um, go over if we think that we'd be a appropriate fit or not. If you have a child who has neurodevelopmental disorders or special needs and or um, extreme picky eating or feeding aversions. And we'll talk more about your specialty and, and um, how you work in, in the next episode. But to wrap this one up, I wondered if you had a quick tip, like nutritional tip, a health tip uh, for health, healthier living. I think my best quick tip would be 
you know, quality, quality of food matters. Read that fine print. Don't just assume because it's on the shelf that it's safe. That couldn't be further from the truth. That's a whole other conversation, though. Uh, so when you flip over that fine print, remember that the less ingredients, the better, especially those man-made ingredients. If you don't recognize it, your body probably won't either. Yeah, just start with those small steps that lead to big impacts. Yeah, yeah, the colors, the additives, the preservatives, the quote-unquote natural flavors, all of those things are suspect. You know, and if you, if you happen to be someone with... Um, you know, a chronic illness, uh, mystery, symptoms, um, just ailing health. Uh, you know, you have to pay attention to all of that. Well, thank you so much, Shandy. It's been fantastic having you on the show, and I'd love to have you on another episode. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the Flourish with Functional Nutrition podcast. Please listen again and remember to follow us and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. To learn more about Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy or check out our podcast page, visit tcnutritionaltherapy.com. To find a nutritional therapy practitioner in your area, use the provider search at nutritionaltherapy.com. Until the next time, be well and flourish. Content of this podcast copyright 2019 by Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy. Music by Barbara Benn.